I'd like you to take your Bible in your hand, and we're going to look at a scripture today together. Uh, I want you to open with me to the book of Exodus, the book of Exodus. And then, if you don't mind me being old school just a little bit, I'd love for you to stand as we read God's Word. I grew up in church, and it seemed like all the preachers always had folks stand when they read the Word, and I didn't understand that for a long time until it finally dawned on me that when we stand, it's like someone special has walked in the room. And there's something, I believe that the Word of God can change your life today. I believe that with all of my heart. I think it was C.S. Lewis that said, I believe in Christianity and the Word of God in the same way that I believe that the sun has risen in the sky. Not because I see the sun, but because by the sun, I see everything else. And that's how it is in our life with the Word of God. It's not so much that we see the Word of God. It's that through the Word of God, we see everything else in our life. So let's read a few verses of Scripture together, and, uh, and we're going to look at that in Exodus chapter number 6, the, the familiar passage that you've been reading during this series. Uh, let's read it together, verse 6 and verse 7, and we're going to read it together, and then we're going to have a word of prayer over our time this morning. Verse 6, Therefore say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the time that we have together this morning. We thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit that's on the Word. And God, we ask that you would open our hearts in these moments that we share so that we can see you. Lord, everything we desire to say is what we want to, Father, point people toward you. I just pray for every heart, Lord, and every mind and every filter, Lord, that it would be opened and attuned to your spirit today. Teach us the word of the Lord, Father, so that we can be changed forever. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. High five somebody and tell them, get ready for the word of the Lord today. You know, as Americans, we're in a hurry. I mean, have you ever seen a time, I don't know about your daytimer or your schedule or your calendar, but man, it seems like mine, it's hard for us to even pack another thing in to the calendar. Anybody in the room have that to deal with? That you're, you're just, my ball games and all kinds of things are going on. We, we, we're hurrying to work. It seems like people are rushing everywhere. I mean, we rush to work and then off to lunch only to rush back to the office again and try to finish the day. And, and then, my goodness, we, we got to go, we got to go, we got to go. Everybody say, got to go. Everybody's got to go somewhere. It's like, where, what are you doing? Well, I'm going someplace. Got people to see, things to do, and, and the, the whole proverbial idea that we hear. Off to the gym, off to the ball field, to ballet. And is it Thursday night? It's small group, right? Oh, wow. Sometimes when we get in a hurry, sometimes when we are dashing, it's like things get out of order. Things get out of place. Sometimes things go wrong. We miss steps. Steps that are in crit critically important. The message of the four cups is really this message, that God has a process and a plan for your life. If we get in too big a hurry, stuff gets out of place. Stuff that shouldn't be in our life gets right in the middle of something important. I mean, we can get in over our head. Can I get an amen for that? We get on paths to nowhere. We get on someone else's stairway to success that we discover after a while is actually a dead end. 
we can wind up in the corner of a very awkward moment. Life will put you there. You know, it's really important that you get things in order in life. And the fact of the matter is, the chaos of life will mess everything up for you if you're not careful. But this passage of Scripture that I've read for you gives you a a glimpse and an insight into the heart of God for your life and the fact that God has a plan for your life. Everybody say with me, if you would, please, God has a plan for my life. You are not a cosmic accident. You weren't an afterthought. No, God had a plan. The Bible says in Jeremiah that before you were ever, or actually in in Psalms, David says, before you were ever born, before you were ever a cell in your mother's womb, that God had already seen the number of your days and the manner of your ways. God has a plan for your life. But he doesn't just have a plan for your life. He has got a progression for that plan. We all know that a plan that is important always has steps and involves, and if we get in a hurry, if we're not careful, we'll get the steps all messed up and life will cease to make sense. And if you're not careful, you'll wind up being like I have been a time or two. Have you ever been in a moment where you went to Ikea and bought that do-it-yourself computer desk and you put it together and it looked like nothing like the one that was on display? And it's like you had a wheel left and you didn't even, the thing didn't even have wheels and you had a wheel left. It's like, where does that go? That's what life will do to you if you're not careful. But in God's plan for your life, that plan involves a process. That process involves, first of all, you coming to Christ and accepting Him as your Lord and Savior. The fact that God wants to not only save you but change your life. That first step. When when we're talking about the four, four cups, let's just talk about that for a moment today. Because you say, well, what is the four cups? The four cups have to do with the Jewish festival of Passover. As a matter of fact, we're coming right up. This Friday is the Passover uh, this year on the Jewish calendar. Passover was when the Jews celebrated the fact that God had liberated them out of Egyptian bondage. If you go back with me just a little bit, you'll remember that there was a time when Israel were were in Egypt. And you know, it wasn't really designed to be a bondage for them initially. As a matter of fact, God sent Israel to Egypt. Did you know that? There was a famine in the land, and the family, the the patriarchal family, the family of Abraham, now it's Isaac and Jacob, and now Jacob and his family are living in Palestine, and there's a famine. You know the story how Joseph has been betrayed by his brothers. He's wound up. God elevated him. He went through the palace, and then he wound up setting on, he went through the pit, and he wound up setting in the palace of Israel. He's literally ruling Egypt. His brothers come, and so... What he does is he, he knows there's a famine. He wants to bring them to, to Egypt to protect them and to preserve them in this time of famine. And that's exactly what happens. He gets the family and they come together. God intended Egypt to be a blessing for Israel. The problem is they stayed too long. In other words, God never intended Egypt to be their destiny. He simply intended Egypt to be their provision. And in a moment of provision, sometimes that's us. I mean, sometimes we can get in a really good place and we think, okay, this is all God has for me. When God says, no, no, that's not your end. That's just your now because I'm providing for your needs, but I have a destiny for you. God had a plan for Israel and that plan was the promised land. Can I get an amen? God has an intent for you. And sometimes we wind up going through Egypt in the process that God has for us. But anyway, that's another message. They'd stayed too long. And now a Pharaoh, the Bible says, had arisen that didn't know Joseph. And there were no alliances. And consequently, that place that God had sent them to be a provision 
had now been translated into a bondage in their life. So they're there about 400 years. About 400 years until Pharaoh after Pharaoh began to oppress the nation. And the people began to cry for, to, for deliverance and for liberty. And God speaks to Moses at the burning bush. Now I'm going to tell you what. I, it, it, for, for spontaneous combustion to happen in the Sinai Peninsula, that's not that uncommon. It happens. But I have to tell you, the miracle wasn't that the bush burned in the desert. The miracle was that it didn't go out. Wouldn't you have liked to have been Mrs. Moses? Wouldn't you like to have been a fly in the room when Moses went home? I'm not sure how long the bush burned before Moses figured out there was a miracle in it. Maybe it was a day. Maybe it was just a few moments. Maybe it was three days. Maybe Moses is passing by with his sheep on his way to their pasture, and he sees this bush burning, he goes on to work, finishes the day, comes back. Wow, the bush is still burning. And then he goes to bed that night, gets up, that bush is still... I don't know how many days it took before Moses realized... But then Moses says, ah, that aha moment, God must be wanting to speak to me. And guess what? The bush starts to talk. Wouldn't you have liked to have been in the room with Moses and his wife when Moses got home that evening and she said, honey, did anything interesting happen on the way to work this morning? Yes, he said, as a matter of fact, there was a bush and it was burning and it's been burning for days and hasn't gone out. Really? Yes. What happened next? Well, the bush started to talk. You know, she probably said, Moses, you better leave that shepherd juice alone. You know what I'm saying? I ain't kidding. You better get off that stuff. So God speaks to Moses from the bush, and he tells Moses to go and tell Pharaoh to let his people go. Well, as the story unfolds, Pharaoh says no, and God begins to bring plagues. If you've seen the movie, The Ten Commandments, or perhaps you've seen the latest rendering of God and Kings that was out that was really a loose adaptation of the story, you know that the plagues begin to come as God begins to bring Pharaoh to his knees. Finally, the last plague, after a sequence of nine plagues, finally the tenth plague comes, and this plague is where God says, if you won't let my firstborn child, he's speaking of the nation of Israel, if you won't let my firstborn child go, I'll strike your firstborn child. And he warns Pharaoh, and Pharaoh hardens his heart and says no. And God speaks to Moses and he says, you tell the people to slay a sacrificial lamb at a certain time and put the blood of that lamb on the doorpost. And when the death angel passes through Egypt, when that angel sees the blood, he will pass over that house. And God spared Israel's firstborn while all the firstborn of Egypt were struck by the death angel. This is where the word Passover comes from. So we talk about the Passover lamb. It is the sacrificial lamb that brought safety to all of those who were in the house. When the blood was applied to the doorpost and the angel saw that, that angel passed over. So for, for that, from that point forward in the history of Israel, they have celebrated the Passover, celebrating that moment. God told Moses, he said, by liberating the people, here's what I'm going to do. There were four verbs that God used. Number one, he said, I'm going to bring you out. I'm Number two, I'm going to rescue you. Number three, I'm going to redeem you. And number four, I'm going to take you as my people. It was four verbs. And consequently, during the Passover feast, the Jews celebrate with four cups of wine. And they celebrate each of the verbs that God said that he would do for the children of Israel. 
he brought them out. First of all, he says, I'm going to save you. Second of all, he says, I'm going to free you. Are are y'all in the room with me today? Do you understand that God doesn't just want to save you from your sins? He wants to free you from all that junk that got hooked on you through a lifetime of bondage. He doesn't want to just get you to heaven. He wants to get you free to be his children on earth. Can I get an amen for that? Man, as a matter of fact, he told Moses, he said, you tell Pharaoh that they are, to, they are to be free, that he is to let my people go, that they might serve me. Your freedom is not just so that you can do as you please and go where you want to go and, and control your own life. Your freedom is so that you can be free from the bondages of your past and the bondages that the enemy has put in your life, broken relationships and, and low self-esteem and things that the enemy of your life has tried to put on you, bad decisions you've made or decisions that have been made by someone else that affected you. All those things become bondages to you being all that God wants you to be. But you know what? The beauty is that when God set you free from your sins, He also says, I want to free you from all that junk. That's pretty good teaching for a young guy like me. (laughs) He doesn't just want to save you. He wants to set you free. Those are the first two cups of the Jewish celebration. And so when the Passover comes, the family would gather, they would all get together, and the lamb would be slain, and then it would be cooked, and then at the meal, they would all eat the lamb. The family would eat the lamb. But before they ate the lamb, one of the older sons in the household would ask the father, Dad, why is tonight different from every other night? And that set the dad up. That teed him up, so to speak, so he could again, as had been done For generations and generations, he could again tell the story of how God's intent for people is to be free. God's intent is for you to be free. And he again would tell the story. And through the process of the story, he would celebrate the four cups. They would first toast the cup of salvation. And they would drink it. And they would talk about how God liberated them with a mighty arm and with incredible power. Then they would toast the cup of uh, this, this, this cup of uh, freedom, how God wanted the people to be free from the bondage and he wanted to rescue them. Anybody in this room been rescued by the Lord? I don't know about you, but there was a moment in my life that I was in desperate shape. I needed somebody to rescue me. And God rescued them. And then they come to the cup that we talk about today. And that's the cup of redemption. Before I just talk a couple of moments about that, it's important that you understand the whole idea of redemption because this particular word had to do with a price being paid and someone in bondage being bought out of bondage. The word redeem had to do with a great price being paid by someone in your family. An ancient custom in Middle Eastern days was that if you went into debt and you couldn't pay your debts, you could actually be cast into prison. And someone in your family could raise the money that you owed for the debt and buy you out of bondage. This word redeemed that God uses as it related to the children of Israel was the very word that was used in the economy of buying back freedom. You see, it wasn't just that God wanted you to be saved. He wanted you to be free. And he wanted you to be able to walk out of the past owing nothing in no debt. Everybody say no debt. 
I don't know whether you're out of debt today or not, but if you are, you know that great feeling of owing nobody nothing, as we would say in Arkansas, that you don't know anybody anything. But the truth is, most of us owe people something. We, we have some debt in our lives. But oh, what a feeling when you burn the mortgage. Oh, what a feeling when you call that credit card company and say, don't call me anymore, I don't owe you nothing. When you pay the note off at the bank on that car, man, it's pretty, isn't it amazing how cars get prettier when you don't owe anything on them? I got an old 2003 Ford pickup truck, and it's been through its share of bumpy roads and scrapes and and skirmishes, but I'll tell you what, it's been paid off a long time, and it gets sweeter as the days go by. I love that old truck, because there's no debt. There's no debt. You say, well, how could that debt be paid? Well, that's what the lamb was all about. So what we can say, then, is Passover is all about the lamb. So if you've got a notepad, maybe I want to give you a couple of lessons that we see from the lamb. First of all, if the lamb's blood was going to cancel your debt, and that's the message of the third cup, it had to be worthy. It had to be a lamb that was perfect. It couldn't just be any old lamb. It couldn't just be a lamb that had mange or had some sort of disease. This lamb had to be absolutely perfect. And according to the scripture, it had to be a year-old male lamb of the flock without spot or without blemish. The lamb had to be perfect. Secondly, the lamb, once we determined that it's perfect, it had to be sacrificed. That lamb had to be sacrificed. And then the blood of the lamb had to be applied to the doorpost. Finally, that lamb was then to be eaten and consumed by all the people. And then whatever was left was to be shared with their neighbors. There was none of the lamb to be wasted. This is a beautiful shadow and a picture of Jesus Christ. Because here's the truth of the matter. You know, we talk with these students about types and shadows. And if you've studied the Old Testament or read a commentary, maybe you've heard someone talk about types and shadows and how there are shadows. What is a shadow? I mean, if you were standing on stage with me today, you could see that on the wood floor of this stage, I'm casting a shadow. Shadow is when a force of energy or light impacts something that's real and create a shadow, an image of that. It's not real, but it's an image of what's real. Are you all in the room with me this morning? You see, that's really the message of the Old Testament. We never fully understand the Old Testament until we look at it in the shadow and the light of Jesus Christ. The Lamb was, listen, there's no Lamb on earth that could literally take away the sins of the world. It couldn't be. But God was telling us a story. Uh, Paul said that everything that happened to the nation of Israel happened for our examples as the church so that we could learn from it. So when we look at Israel in bondage, we realize that all of us were in bondage once. When we look at Israel's liberation from bondage, we realize God wants to set us free. When we see that God not only wanted them out of their sins, but wanted to break the shackles of bondage off their life, we know that He wants to break the shackles of bondage off of our life. Amen. And when we see the Lamb, we realize that there's no natural Lamb that could take away the sins of the world. That natural Lamb was simply a shadow of the one who could. Thousands upon thousands of lambs were sacrificed every Passover season because every family had to have a lamb. You see, this lamb sacrifice was a personal sacrifice. It wasn't for the sins of the nation. It was for the sins and the freedom of the family, the individual. We see a beautiful picture and a beautiful shadow of Jesus Christ in that lamb because I'm here to tell you today that Jesus Christ is 
is our Passover lamb. Can we give him a hand today? He is our Passover lamb. Amen. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 7 says, Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. Did you know that not only was the lamb of Israel sacrificed during the Passover season, as I've described the background and history for you, but Jesus Christ was also crucified during the Passover season as well. The lambs were to be slain at about 9 o'clock or so in the morning. Did you know that's the exact time that Jesus was nailed to the cross? Did you know the lamb of Israel that was eaten by the family went into the oven at 3 p.m. in the afternoon? Ritually, that's when it had to be done every year. Did you know that the scripture says that Jesus was taken off the cross at 3 o'clock? He was crucified when the lamb was slain. He was put in the tomb when the lamb went into the oven. Wow, does that give you chills? That, that gives me chills when I think about it. When he came out of the oven, the lamb was to be eaten by all who gathered at the feast. The blood of a spotless lamb was the price for justice. Justice demand. Here's the thing. You say, well, why was there a price to be paid? Because justice demanded it. See, mercy could let us go. Grace can give us what we don't deserve. But the fact is, when we've done wrong, something has to be done to make it right. There had to be a price paid. There had to be a price to redeem Israel. When God told Moses, he said, you tell them, I'm going to take them out of Egypt, a type of their sins, and I'm going to free them from bondage, but I'm also going to pay the debt. I'm going to pay the debt. Peter says it this way over in his epistle. Let me read it to you. First Peter Chapter 1, verse 18. Knowing that we were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold. From the aimless conduct received by traditions from your fathers. But with the precious blood of Christ. As of a lamb without blemish and without spot. For he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world. But was manifest in these last days for you. The lamb was perfect. Four days before the lamb was slain in ancient Israel, it had to be inspected. Four days. It had to be like the USDA inspectors, right? They had to inspect it Levitically to make sure that it was worthy to be slain on Passover. Four days prior. Today is four days. Palm Sunday is four days. That's the day that Jesus made his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. And for the very first time, without disguise, without hush-hush, for the first time he rode into the city as a king and he revealed himself for the examination of all. And he was examined by the nation on the triumphant entry. We celebrate that today on this Sunday. God looked at him. Is there sin? No. Is he perfect? Yes. Has he done my will? Yes. Is he worthy to be the one that was prophesied? Is he worthy to be the real thing that the Lamb of Israel was but a shadow? And the answer was yes. 
Because four days later, come on somebody. Four days later, the Lamb, as John called him, the Lamb of God was slain. Having been slain in the heart of God from before the time of the foundation of the world. The lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world was slain in a city called Jerusalem. The lamb was perfect. The lamb was slain. Isaiah would describe that for us in Isaiah 53. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Yet we did esteem him smitten and stricken of God. He was wounded for your transgressions. He was crushed for your iniquities. They whipped his back. They placed a crown of thorns upon his head. They spit upon him. They spit upon him and reviled him. I'm amazed at his suffering. I'm awed by the wonder of the blood of Jesus. When we have communion today as as a church, when we do as a church, we celebrate the Passover, except we don't look back to the Lamb of Israel. We look to the Lamb of Calvary. Would you stand with me? The lamb was perfect. The lamb was slain. But then we see another glimpse into the reality of God's intent for our lives as believers. Because in Israel, when the lamb was prepared and it was baked, it was eaten. That correlates with the Last Supper when Jesus told his disciples, drink the cup of my blood. This is the new covenant that's shed for you. Eat of the bread. He said, this is my flesh and body that's broken for you. So he literally says, consume me. But then we see a ritual in the Jewish tradition was that if there was any left, the people were commanded, don't let it go to waste. Share it. Share it. Call your neighbors. Knock on a door. Find someone across the street who may didn't, maybe hasn't had the dinner yet. And invite them over to share the lamb with you. Isn't that how it is with us? We're not saved just to get saved. We're saved to tell others so they can be saved as well. We're not just free so we can enjoy the freedom. No, we're free so we can serve God and serve others. Is anybody in this room glad that you're not in bondage anymore and that you've been made free today? Yeah. You're not who you used to be. You don't owe the flesh anything. You can be free to be all God's called you to be. To love God, to love yourself, and to love others. And share that message with people that haven't had that same experience yet. Would you bow your heads with me right here? Today, maybe you're in this room and you'd say, You know, Brother Brassfield, I've never experienced the Lord. What you've talked about, I don't understand all the intricate details about ancient Israel. But something has penetrated my heart and it's this truth that I believe that Jesus died for my sins, died for my freedom, that he died so that I could have the debt canceled in my life. 
You may be standing there thinking about all the things that you've done, all the bad things you've said, the people that you've hurt. Maybe you're thinking about the people that have hurt you. But the message is simple today, and this is it. Jesus paid the price so you could let all that stuff go. You may have come into this building one way today, but I'm telling you, you can leave this building a brand new creature in Jesus Christ. You don't have to be broken anymore. You don't have to be filled with shame and guilt anymore. You don't have, no, no, you don't have to because there was a heavenly price paid in the earth realm so that you can be free. So that you can be free. If you're here today and you say, today's my day. I want you to pray this prayer with me. A simple prayer. The Bible says that man believes with the heart, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's how everything in the kingdom works. First you believe, and then you confess. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer of confession. And if you have believed in your heart, then you're going to enjoy the incredible benefit of all that Jesus Christ did for you at Calvary. And the benefit of the progression of the four cups God wants you to have in your life. Pray this prayer with me, won't you? Right now, out loud. Lord Jesus, today I believe that you are the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. I receive the full benefit, cleansing from my sin, freedom from my bondage, and all my debts paid. I don't owe the devil anything else. I am free in Jesus' name. And I receive it by faith. And I believe it in my heart. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you have a story to share of how God has been working in your life, please send us an email at info at ilovethechurch.tv. We invite you to check out the church's Facebook page and don't forget to like us. You can also follow the church on Twitter at twitter.com slash thechurchforme. And if you are in the Rosenberg area, we invite you to be our guest this Sunday morning. Finally, if you would like to make a donation to the church, you can give online at www.ilovethechurch.tv. We invite you to listen again next week. Until then, have a blessed week.